Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to Behind the Influence, a production of iHeartRadio and TDC Media. That's going to be a big setback there, but MVP is not the one we're worried about. Is there just a setback here for TSM? Who is going to do it, TSM? You're your champion. Go to these events, network with people, find people to collaborate with, put the time in. Be smart about it, look at what you did, and analyze what's going well, what's not going well. I think being relentless is super important. Like you need to really know what you want and like truly ask yourself, like if, if you're only doing it for the money, it's really not worth it. You have to do it because you love it. Andy Din is in the house. Hey guys, what's up? <laughs> what's up? Andy from TSM here. <laughs> Andy from TSM. I mean, if you don't know that name and you don't know that it's associated with TSM, I, I don't know what to tell you. So a very, very successful, very influential person sitting across from me in the esports world. I definitely think you are a pioneer, if not the pioneer in the space. Esports is something that people still to this day do not understand. What do you think the stigma is? I, I think the stigma has changed over the last decade from, you know, gamers being in their basement to now it being seen as a, a more acceptable path. It's not really there yet in the sense that where parents feel like, hey, my kid is growing up to be a gamer, like basketball or football or soccer. But it is definitely more acceptable than before where parents were heavily against it. They're uncomfortable. They didn't know where it was. Now you see 15-year-olds going to these like massive stadiums and winning millions of dollars. So I, I do think that there's some general concept um, there. Yeah, for sure. So TSM, massive, right? And you're the founder of this massive empire. For people who have not heard of TSM, give us a little breakdown. So, so TSM is a company that I started when I was 17. And, oh, not um, too shabby. What were you guys doing at 17? <laughs> uh, there's, there's two areas of focus for the business, right? We... Uh, employ close to 100 gamers that go around competing in these large stadiums all across the world from like the Staples Center to Madison Square Garden and the, these players they um, you know they make millions and their their age ranges from 16 to uh, up to 24 and then we have the other side of our business which is like a tech driven business that focuses on uh, data and analytics and esports performance that really helps feel our, our gamers uh, and like what their practice regimen that product offering is 
uh, made and created for our pro players, but at the same time, our fans and players also use it too. So we're going to take it back to the very beginning of the TSM days, okay? First of all, you're 17. Are you still in high school? <laughs> no, no, I, I dropped out of high school. So yeah. you drop you drop out and then the idea comes or the idea comes and then you drop out? So so I, I dropped out of high school to, to go to college early. Okay. And the, the, it was a gradual process, and I started uh, while I was in college, and I just go to college part-time there. Were you inspired because you were actually a gamer in, in real life? I was inspired to be a content creator and just be a competitive player overall through just through YouTube, right? Because uh, at that time, YouTube was still early in 2008, where creators were starting to have millions of followers. So I think at that time, Ryan Higa, who had 2 million followers on YouTube, was the largest influencer of that time. And I really wanted to create content, but instead of creating fun and engaging content, I wanted to create content around uh, being better at gaming. And so that was our niche. And at that time, gaming started to really grow and exploded, at least from a social media perspective. And so I was able to capitalize on that. So I remember in 2008, that's when the partner program started. I mean, that's when all the people started really taking content creation much more seriously. When you say you wanted to go on to show people how to become better gamers or were you doing tutorials? Were you because you weren't competing at that point. So what were you doing? You were just showing gameplay? Yeah, so so esports didn't really exist at that Not time at all. In, yeah. in a very small form, and so uh, at that time I had a small form of a community, and what I did was I created guides. I uh, I wrote articles uh, about the game and just wrote guides in terms of how to like play the game better. At the same time, too, though, I created video tutorials online on my own YouTube channel, and so while I, playing, yeah, so was so it gameplay? While, while playing, yeah. Okay. So I had a blog on blogger.com. I had a YouTube channel on uh, YouTube, and just with a few thousand subscribers really and started to grow that over time and just started to upload daily i uh, didn't know what i was doing learned learned how to edit learned how to write uh, while, while i was going to college and, and you know like th through time right youtube cpms were just really low at that time and so it, it was a massive time investment spending you know 20 30 hours creating videos but would make you, know, you were spending really 20 to 30 hours yeah yeah just just but it was, it was did you have time to go to school I, I skipped class a lot. Um, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, it was very, very part-time. Uh, I started to do, uh, you know, I think that in college, I was particularly a, a strong student, but my grades started to really drop. At the same time, too, I, I, I started to see hope, right? So from making like 50 cents a day, it went to like $20 <laughs> to, to 30 to 40. It uh, made me more motivated, and I started to figure try to figure out other forms of revenue in terms of how to really grow this. So what were some of the ways that you made money I, I think the the a couple ways that uh, we made money was through youtube and through blogger.com got it you know i learned how to operate a google adsense learned how to set that up with tags and um find people to help me on things that i really didn't know how to do so meanwhile you're in school what are you studying i i was uh at this stage of just doing ge uh, general got it. education well because you were it was your first year right exactly okay so I, I took some college courses while i was in high school but i wanted to try to finish ge when i was like by the time i was 17 or 18. Uh, and so I, I was trying to speed through school, but also... Why speed through? Did you have a plan to be an entrepreneur from the beginning? Were you just trying to get out and do your thing? No, no, no plans at all. I stumbled on it. You just uh, wanted to be out. <laughs> exactly. So I, I was already going to uh, taking college courses in uh, in the summer and winter and night classes while I was in high school. So I, I was already a year ahead in college. So I wanted to finish GE because we just couldn't, we couldn't afford to go to a, a four-year university. So it made more sense to go to a community college early and take all the GE courses. It's a much more cost-effective path. Aren't you glad you did that path <laughs> instead of taking out a hundred grand yeah. loan? 
Okay, so you're making money finally. You're taking this thing seriously. What are parents thinking back at home? My, my parents were really worried, right, because I made some money, but it was honestly less than minimum wage. They, they immigrated to the U.S., and they really focused on education. My stepdad was a professor at San Jose State. And my mom, she she's an A student. She really cares about education. She didn't graduate college until she was 45, primarily because uh, when she, she moved here, right, she needed to provide for the family. And so they take education really seriously. All my siblings had straight A's uh, besides me. And so they were really worried about me. Well, shout out to mom, by the way. Can we give a round of applause for mom who still goes to school and graduates at 45? That's awesome. Yeah. Good for her. But yeah, that was probably a lot of pressure for you because you have siblings who are doing what they quote unquote should be doing. But every time I talk to an entrepreneur, they always went against the grain, it seems. And I'm not telling you kids to kick, don't don't get out of school, like don't leave. It's, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is every time I've, I've spoken to somebody like you, they kind of had something inside of them that, did you have something inside of you that said you wanted something bigger? I, I did. I wanted to find success. I wanted to provide more for my, my family. But at the same time too, though, uh, it, it was more of a plan B, right? At, at the end of the day, I knew that there was a high chance of failure. What and was so the plan A? Plan A at the end of the day was to finish school early and either focus on finance or, or medicine. Oh, but, uh, I, so different. Yeah, just like doing the research, understanding the path of like what it took to become a doctor. It, it was a really hard path forward, right? You need to go to school and then medical school and then also you need to do residency. And that, that was like I, I wanted to find success fast and I wanted to, you know, really just go. And so had I failed, I probably would have gone into finance. Well, thank God for League of Legends, huh? Yeah, thank God for <laughs> so, so talk to me about entering into that world because that kind of shifted everything for you. What year were you in? Were you still in the first year or second year when you started TSM? I, dro I dropped out my second year. Okay, so you drop out second year. What prompted the dropout? It, it, was, it, was, it was actually a huge shift where our, our blog started to really grow and our YouTube started to really grow. And even though the revenue wasn't there, we had a massive user base. So I actually convinced my, my mom to let me take six, six months a year off. And if I couldn't show success, then I would just drop the entire project period and focus on school, right? So I had tw really 12 months to find success because even though we had that huge user base, we couldn't make any money. And, you know, I was spending a ton of time on it, right? Like I almost gave up so many times. It, it was an inflection point where uh, blogger.com, which was taking uh, around 50% of our revenue, and also not really monetizing it well because they're plugging through AdSense. So I basically borrowed $5,000 from my mom, which she was saving for my, for my college tuition anyways. I was like, hey, you either, you know, let me borrow $5,000 or I'm going to go to Wells Fargo and borrow it for a student loan and just use that to hire an engineer to really create um, a website for me, right? So what, what the website did was instead of it being blogger.com, uh, it was uh, a CMS that allowed creators to write guides on our website. So instead of being the guide writer myself, I made it really easy to write League of Legends guides. And then I went out to hire people to write guides for me. And then I hired engineers to make it really easy to write guides on our website. How did you know this was the move? I mean, I think that like being an entrepreneur, like now, like looking at it from like a present perspective, I didn't really understand the the risk involved. I, I was only able to see the upside. But honestly, my chances of success was really, really low. And I, I kind of just put a ton of time and effort to make it happen, right? Well, at the end of the day, your risk was $5,000 and disappointing your mom and then having to go and do something you probably, your heart wasn't into. But at that age, it's a huge risk, right? Because you're, you're basically telling your parents, look, this is my one shot. And if I don't, and that's not, it's not necessarily fair to you to just give yourself one shot, but you gave yourself one shot and it worked out. Yeah. But anyway, 
Back to back to what happened. Yeah, I mean, I I felt like it was a huge risk because uh, yeah. I I was working a minimum wage job before all of this at Trader Joe's, and it took me six months to save up five thousand dollars, right? And in total, I needed to I needed fifteen thousand dollars to build up the entire product. So I I used all my savings and then a loan from my mom, and then five thousand dollars that I was earning by giving lessons to other people as a as a like a, a top player at that time to pay for the project, right? But but once we launched it and it's created, it start it's, it it really started to blow up from maybe just a couple thousand page views a day to hundreds of thousands of page views to millions. I, I think uh, at at the point where we started to earn eight to ten thousand dollars a month was when I was like, okay, the, this is a good time. How many months in was that? It was month eleven. Month 12, month That's 11. pretty yeah. awesome. I mean, before the end of year one, you were monetizing in a big way. Yeah. It was month 11, but when I completely dropped out, but it um, was already two and a half years in, and I was really feeling burnt out. There was several stages, like, I spent all this money. It just wasn't going to work because our product was broken all the time, right? We didn't have the best engineers. It was, it was an engineer that I met through gaming. He was also my friend. And he was not only doing it like for a lower rate, but, but at the same time, he wasn't the best, right? So right, it, of like, course. there was a ton of friction there. The product was really never fully optimal, but it was enough for us to basically piece it together. So as an entrepreneur, you get to a point where, you know, you get burnt out or the money's running low or you're kind of overworking with the guy that is a friend. So he's kind of doing a favor. So he's cheaper, but you need to like take it to the next level. And this would be maybe the time that you would try to raise some money, right? Did, did that ever cross your mind? I mean, you were so young and it was still so scrappy. When did you feel like it was time to go and really blow it up in a, on a bigger level? So interestingly enough, we, we, didn't, we didn't ever raise any money until I would say our Series A, which happened uh, 18 months ago, so eight years into the business. Wow. And so we bootstrapped the entire business from, you know, for the first eight years. Um, and how, sure did you, how did you get by doing that? Um, we was it the scrappiest? Yeah, we were really scrappy. We spent uh, we spent money in the right areas, and we didn't invest in things that we just didn't need. I, I keep saying you were so young, but because I'm so impressed to run a business successfully for that long without it all just crumbling to the ground. There's got to be a strong person behind that business. What made you qualified to do that? I mean, obviously you were qualified to game, and you knew the esports world. But did you know the world of business? I, I didn't, right? But because at the same time, too, I, I was also the, the leader of my team. I, I learned how to work with the entire team. I learned how to recruit. I learned how to give people feedback. I learned when to be hard and when to be soft. At the same time, too, that I was really fortunate because really it's like you have to be a part of a niche early on to, to really find that type of success when you're not experienced, right? And I think that, uh, you know, most of my competitors at that time, they were also uh, participating in esports as a hobby. And I was one of the very few people to go full time on it, take it very seriously, try to really make something out of it. Whereas most of my competitors uh, were just people that did it for fun, did it part time. And so I was really lucky that th th there, were, there weren't strong competitors in the space. If I was competing against like a 40 year old executive that worked at a you know, Fortune 100 company, I think that there, was, there would have been no chance for me to, to succeed. Because I was in early, I put in the time, and I was able to just make a lot of mistakes and not not be punished for it. I was able to you know get to where I am now. Wow. Uh, and we skipped forward a lot just because we were talking. I wanted to get into the finance part of it just so people can understand it's not easy. And you did make a really big risk at you know a young age, making a big ask of your mom, and also pulling together all your Trader Joe's money, <laughs> which that's a lot. Like even as a twenty year old, twenty five year old, that's a lot of money to just put into a dream. You formed a team. You were playing on the team. Can you talk me through when all that happened? 
Yeah, so so the site's up at the whole the whole entire time. We had a team. There there was no competitive scene at that time. So you have to you have to think of this. Like I was a person that was also throwing the very first tournaments for League of Legends, right? So we had a hardcore community. There was there was no higher level of play. So I started to host events for people to play at, right? And then I would go out and I would look for sponsors to sponsor the prize pool for those tournaments and then competing at the same time. That sounds like a major conflict of interest, but at the same time, too, if there, there, if there were no events, right? Not really. Uh, it's exactly, like reserving yeah. a basketball court exactly. and being like, let's go play. Exactly. And yeah. then give us the money if we win. And we're the best, so we're going to win. Yeah, so, so <laughs> n- nowadays, right, with, right. with all these professional teams, uh, it doesn't make sense to be the tournament operator and also playing right. it. Right, right. But, but it uh, didn't exist. Yeah, exactly. So We're so early. I, I, I was really competitive. I wanted to play. I wanted to play against people that are good. And, uh, you know, people didn't really take it seriously. And so I wanted to really hang that carrot there for people to play. So I would take my money, put it as a prize pool, and then have people play in the competing games. You you'd use your own money for the prize pool? Uh, yeah, So because w- once our website got to that certain stage, right, I just saw it as a mar- marketing vehicle for our website and uh, our products. So I did that because it was, it was also a hobby of mine, right? Uh, really quickly, uh, once we made enough money, what, what I did was I dropped out of college and I just played full-time for fun. And then I ran ran my business. Oftentimes, I would be playing, even though it didn't really bring more value to the business because it was huge diminishing returns. But but at the same time, it was it was my hobby. Do you remember the first tournament that you put together? Uh, I I do. So it it was really early on, and it was just for uh this currency called Riot Points, where you can use to just buy yeah. uh, items, right? Right. And um, you know, it was really scrappy. We basically posted a, a form post, and then people would sign up by typing, "Hey, I I want to play," and I would post that schedule. And then there, there was no organization. There were no, there, there weren't tools at all, right? It was just, it's like a group of, uh, you know, just guys that, that show up online in, in Ventrilo at that time. It's technology that's kind of dead now. Yeah. Uh, and there would be maybe a hundred people in this voice chat, and uh, I would organize the event at the same time while competing in it. Good memories. <laughs> so from there to the Staples Center, <laughs> yeah, playing at Worlds. Can you? Can you, for people who don't really understand how um, competitive esports works, how do people get into the tournaments? Is it all types of games? Are they separated by League of Legends versus Minecraft? Like, how does that work? So it, it's really different, right? Like, think of each game as a different sport, whether it's tennis, whether it's an open or football or basketball, right? It's, it's all different. In particular, the League of Legends, also the, in, within the phases of time, uh, it also changed, right? Early on, when I started to play, it would there would just be open tournaments where any five people they can sign up, and there would be a prizing, and you would go to you would go to like uh, an arena or a theater, right? And you would sign up as five, and you'd play, and be the last man standing to win. Now it's a lot different with with Riot Games League of Legends franchising, where uh, there are teams owned by the Golden State Warriors, right? Uh, so several several sports owners bought into franchises for League of Legends. Now there's 10 teams, and those are the staple teams in America where you can't join unless you're recruited to. It's it's a lot different than... Does than TSM ago. fall into that category? Yes, so TSM falls into that category. And what, what we do now is there's a huge process that goes into it. You have to basically be recruited. We are always looking for uh, better players on our, on our platform, and you have to play through TSM Junior. And then you have to get qualified through TSM Academy. And then once oh, wow. you make it through Academy, then you go to the pro team. Is this your own? Yeah, so so it's our it's our own. It's path your to own. Pro. Okay, got it. So not every team operates that way. Every single team has an academy team, but not um, path below that, right? They don't have t- a, a junior program. Got it. So we're all we're looking down the uh, the funnel to find like the next LeBron James or next Steph Curry. Got it. And and does it work like the NBA where you can get somebody from another team? Yeah, so uh, there are major buyouts, right? Uh, depending on what level, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, 
player buyouts range anywhere between like two hundred thousand dollars to millions of dollars, depending on how good the player is mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the prospect is. Has TSM done that personally? Uh, yeah, we've, yeah. We've spent uh, close to a million dollars buying out players before. Has it been worth it? You know, it, it, it depends on it depends on the player, right? Yeah. So we won't we won't yeah. name names, but uh, yeah, no, I think that's a tricky that's a tricky thing anyway because you can never guarantee. But if you are, is it a recruitment process or is are people applying and they're like, look, I don't I don't you know for people who don't understand how the process works, there's so many gamers out there. I mean, Twitch has millions and millions of gamers. How do you even find the good ones? So we're we're standardizing that process now as we speak, right? But the the way the way to do it is there's there's an online challenger leaderboard mm. where you can play to really prove that you're the best. And I'll, most often teams look at that that ladder, right? So like out of a million people, the players that rise to the top two hundred are the ones that are being looked at, you know, on a day day in and week by week basis, right? And so if you have strong stats, if you perform well, if you're a good teammate, then more than likely you'll have an opportunity to play at the pro level. And then how many teammates are on each team? Because I know there's, it's not just like five people. It could be up to 30, 40, right? Yeah, so uh, in the game, it's a five versus five game. Right. Uh, and so oftentimes roster ranges between, uh, I would say, seven to ten people. You have different parts of your company that do more than just competitive stuff right absolutely so, so there, there's influencers there's but that so that does not count the eight people there's like a, a larger group well i'm talking about just players that compete those on, are just on, fi- right yeah. but at the same time too though you have to have a diversified approach in terms of building a fan base right. creating content and also performance right mm-hmm. and so most established teams they have a diversified approach more so than just focused on competing and you guys do that as well. For us, we focus on competing because performance really matters to us, not only from a passion perspective. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's mainly from a passion perspective, but also like from how we are represented our brand. Right? Performance really matters to us. Winning really matters to us, right? It's and not so- about the like social media drama. It's about let's let's win some tournaments. Absolutely. And this, the second part is really creating content that, that our fans really find value in. So like, I, at the end of the day, what, where TSM Roots lies is how do we make our fans better? How do we like give them value so when they play, they, they think of us, right? And so it goes back to when I first started TSM is that I made guides, I made content so our players, uh, so players can learn from us to play better. And so what does that entail? Do your players have to, you know, stream a certain amount of hours? Are you helping create content or help guide the content that they're putting out there? So um, particular to our, our League of Legends team, there are no uh, requirements around our streaming hours. Okay. But in terms of just content, uh, in terms of what we try to do, we 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 aim to create guides on how to play the game better on a month by month basis, so that our players can always follow the game as they're playing. They could uh, learn from us in terms of how to play better. And where can they find that content? Um, they, they they can find that content on our YouTube channel. On the YouTube channel, which has over two million subscribers. Yeah. Uh, when did you see a big growth in the TSM fan base? Because you guys um, are massive now. It, it it honestly uh, it was it was a casual growth. There was huge growth when we really focused on League of Legends, and the second phase of growth was uh, when Fortnite launched. Fortnite was a huge huge in every single aspect. It really broke. Uh, it it broke. I, w- I would say it broke through like mainstream pop culture, right? In the sense that every everyone knows about the game. Celebrities in all genres play that game or engage it in some in this way, from football players, basketball players, to musicians. So I thought that was really cool, and then TSM saw huge growth through that. Primarily because we invested into um, building a team there early. Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my character, Gray Parrish, from my new series, Parrish. Yeah, I can drive. 
my character was a getaway driver. Yeah! I'm retired from life, you know that. His business is failing, his house is going up for sale. He is the everyman. Tell me about this driver job. We got a lot of action in this show. We have moments of real danger, and we want to feel as if anything could happen. Gray is invited to drive for this man. He's invited to make money, and he quickly realizes this is not the right thing to do. I did what you told me to. And he's in a world over his head. Now, let's go! He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish, all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Do you think that Fortnite and like breaking into mainstream helped legitimize the esports world as an actual career, real world thing? Uh, I definitely think it, hel- it helped a lot with that, specifically in the U.S. But before Fortnite, right, esports, which like Fortnite's not as large in Asia. In China, it's 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 already gone there, right? Right. So I think that specifically to the U.S., Fortnite really helped with that and played a major role. But at the same time, too, though, I still don't think it's it's there yet. Concurrently right now, if, to give you perspective, over the last four to five years, right, looking five years back, there were only less than – there was less than five, maybe five colleges that offered scholarships for esports. Now there's over 100, right? And there's over 200 varsity programs for, for collegiate esports, which is amazing mm. to, to put into context. If you yeah. think about, like, five to 200. So through time, once, you know, there are thousands of colleges that offer path to scholarships and – becoming varsity and it's seen as a college sport then i think that that would create a funnel at the high school level which is also being uh, worked on and then downwards as well so so i think that that's at, at that point esports would be seen as a very legitimate career so if, so if you were at career day and somebody was to say why is your job so cool like what's so great about working in the world of esports what would you say to them well i mean i, mean, I think that just just looking above esports right i think that like above that it's like creating content being a creator i think that 
kids understand what it means to be a creator, looking at YouTube, looking at Instagram. I, th- I think that's a really exciting career because you are creating content and you're adding value to other people's life at scale. Uh, and the world is just more connected nowadays, right? And then taking it back from an esports perspective, I think that I, 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 don't, I don't think necessarily everyone should grow up wanting to be an esports player, but particularly people that have interest in that, like competing and want, want to, uh, to focus on another sport that's an alternative to what exists today. I think that that's a good career path, uh, not necessarily a good career path for them, but a, a good hobby for them to explore to see if they could make a, a career out of it. I don't know if that makes sense. No, no, it makes total sense. It's basically like foster your passions and see yeah. where, you, where you can take them. And that's something that you clearly did. I don't think you ever imagined you would build this empire or shape the industry, or maybe you did. It doesn't sound, it sounds like you kind of were just like, you know, I just wanted to get out of school, but it, it worked out awesome for you. And I think it's well-deserved because you worked your ass off for eight years, right? Before you really felt like you were doing it. Yeah, I mean, even to this day, I still feel like there needs a lot. There need, That's yeah, every a lot entrepreneur. Yeah. Literally, like, you, you will, you're, you'll sell your team for $2 billion and still think that you have more to do. I just put that in the universe. Did you like that? <laughs> Absolutely. But, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, going back to that topic, though, uh, I do think it's really important. Uh, and, I, and I would, like, I am concerned for kids that, like, focus on, uh, making esports our career too much. I think that there needs to be a balance. They need to have a plan A. They need to have a plan B. You had a couple plans. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that was really smart of you. And I really respect the fact that you scrappy, like you worked hard. You didn't just borrow money from mom. You went to Trader Joe's. You did what you had to do to get to where you are today. So speaking of today, the present day, TSM is massive. Why do you think the team is doing so well? Largely, there's there's a couple of reasons, right? First and foremost, we were first to market. And so we built a huge competitive advantage in terms of understanding the space, where to spend our dollars. Whereas within the last two to three years, there's been massive VC dollars injected into the esports space. And most of these operators really don't know what they're doing. They don't understand where to basically invest into to turn that into revenue, right? And so because we understand the space really well, we're able to uh, understand where, where things will play out, how it'll play out. And so we're investing our dollars much better. The second perspective is that we, we've been early so far into Fortnite League of Legends. And I think that we're, we're also going to be early from a mobile perspective. I think that mobile esports is going to be the future mm-hmm. of um, where where gaming is. And so I'm, su- I'm super excited about that. But I, I think it has to be being early. That, that's why we're, we have a huge advantage. I think being early is definitely an advantage for anyone on any platform. But also, I think what really sticks out is your strategy. Like you said, you guys have been strategic. You know, you know the back end of things. You're not just, you know, I think a lot of these newer teams are probably just figuring it out as they go. Have you ever collaborated with any of the other teams in any way? I, I often wonder that. Yeah, absolutely. From a business perspective, whether it's sales or uh, just overall structure of the ecosystem, we work together closely because because that's really important to build to build it out, right? But at the same time, too, like there they are our competitors, and it's not structured in a way where at least yet where all these owners do work together to to build the ecosystem from a success perspective. Mm-hmm. So that means like implementation of a league. How do we standardize uh, contracts? How do we work with like players? I think that like how do we increase player welfare? Like those are all uh, important topics. But, but it's not at that stage right now. Okay. And you've been on kind of all sides of the coin from playing on the team to you coached. Yeah. And now you're, you've taken a step back from actively being a part of it. How has that been for you? Uh, it's, it's, it's honestly been challenging, right? Like when I, uh, when I first retired, waking up at 8 a.m., attending meetings uh, was hard and being responsive to emails. For me as a gamer, yeah. I would do more like te- text messages or like just uh, channel, channel chats, right? 
And so acclimating to the, the business world was really challenging, making meetings, setting, setting Except, up, accepting yes on calendar Exa- invites exactly. instead of just a text like, yo, let's meet and talk yeah. about this. Yeah. So how, do you think you're going to stay on that side of things? Yeah, I think I, I'm naturally a really competitive person overall. Um, and the way like, you know, when, when I played games, I was really competitive. That's that's why uh, that's what really excited me. Now it's my next journey to like be a better entrepreneur, be a better CEO, be a better leader. And, you know, I haven't I don't think I've been the best uh, leader. And I think that that's something that I'm really focusing on right now in terms of even how to manage people. Right. Like uh, to give you perspective, three years ago, we had had a team of maybe 12 uh, full time employees now. We have 70 full-time players and 70 full-time staff, right? And so it's like, oh, it's 140 people. And then we have another 60, 70 contractors on top of that, right? And I, I think that we've been able to really piece things together. But like from a company management perspective, it's it's not done particularly well. So how do I, how, how do I get better at all these things from giving clear direction to managing people to, to making everyone's time more efficient with like clear instruction? I'm bad at a lot of those things. So it's work in progress. I mean, you can't be too bad at it. Thing, you know, it's things aren't falling apart. You're doing well. What would you say? What's your weak point? My weak point is, I would say, um, being consistent. I think that like my strong suit is being strategic, uh, at, but being consistent and, and holding people accountable and meeting with like my direct reports to make sure that they're getting things done the way I want it is it's kind of my weaker suit, right? Why do you think that is? Why do I think that is? It's it's just because I, I have a scatterbrain. I'm focusing on, on all these things. I, I love adding more and more projects to. So managing is a little tough for you. Yes, but managing people. Yeah, but it's exciting at the same time because I love to work on things that I'm weak at, hmm. and I think that's my skill set. Is I, I know what I'm weak at, and I and and I'm able to get people to cover those weaknesses. Because at the end of the day, what your company is comprises of your employees and your team, right? Mm-hmm. And so at the same time, not only am I finding people to cover my weaknesses. But I'm also working on them so we can have more success. Well, that's a good piece of advice for any entrepreneurs out there. And also, it's okay to have weaknesses, you yeah, know? absolutely. Everyone. Actually, I think it's the best. Yeah. That's It's probably going to be the thing that you're best at by the end of this journey. You know, <laughs> you'll be the best person manager ever. Is there anything that you think that is misunderstood about the world of esports and competitive esports that you'd like people to know? I, I think that... It's 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 gonna get there through time. I think that people don't see it as uh, as a sport. I, I think that's probably the biggest debate of all times. Like, hey, esports is not really a sport. There's nothing physical about that. Hmm. And you know, I I particularly don't 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 really care. But it's just talking about that topic, I think of esports. I think of uh, content creation. I think of like what we're doing right now is influence. It's entertainment at the end of the day. You know, like when when you're watching basketball, right? You're not you're watching basketball because it's entertaining. You're watching football because it's entertaining. At the end of the day, like how significant something is is based off of the amount of eyeballs that that watch it right mm-hmm. and so I, I think that's probably the biggest misconception is that any sport or whatever we do it's mainly just entertainment content and then people don't think it's a sport because it's not physical yeah I, I think that that debate that debate is really meaningless but at the same time too though i i do think that East, from an esports perspective it's really really i mean it is mentally. physical i've i watch those competitions i mean people are sweating bullets you're going yeah. crazy that's stressful uh, I, it's very, very stressful from a mental perspective. From a men- it, yeah. yeah. So, but is is the brain a muscle? A hundred. Well. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're so, the it's exactly. you're the doctor yeah. or the pre med. <laughs> you answer that question. No, but I mean, esports sponsorships. People make way more money doing that than any quote unquote sport. I mean, you could argue that too. Like all the sponsors and the, yeah. my production company also works with a lot of branded deals. 
everyone wants to work with esports right now. Everyone. It's like the hot thing that people are now being like, oh, it's cool. It's legit. What do you have to say to that? Uh, I mean, it, it's super exciting, right? Because 18 to 34 year old male, uh, cord cutting, etc. It's like exciting for sure, just because it's hard to reach your audience. And so uh, at the same time, too, though, more people are, are becoming involved with esports than, you know, traditional sports nowadays, right? There, there are so many kids that um, love this particular industry. And so it's really exciting for us, and I'm really excited to be a part of it. It's got to be like an I told you so moment. I mean, not in a mean way, but in a like, I knew this would be something. Uh, okay. I, I never really thought about it that way, primarily because I, I, I can't honestly say that I thought that this was going to be big. And I mean, you made it. capitalize on it. Look at this world that you've created. I, I really I really give you the credit for this. And, and you have to give it to yourself, too. I'm making you. Well, I, <laughs> I, 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 I would say that I did it like... You shaped it, you, but it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah. if you did it ignorantly. Let's, I mean, think of all the things that were ignorantly found or whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. You, you created basically jobs for lots of people, aspirational careers for many gamers. You've shaped an entire industry. Yeah, and, and I would go to say that, like, a lot of other people did that, too. Twitch made a huge role in it. Like, Colin made a huge uh, role, in, role in it, Twitch making it so that millions of people can create a career out of streaming and content creation, right? And I think that that was a big part in terms of making esports uh, uh, a more viable career. So a lot of people played a big role in it, and I I'm really happy to be uh, a part of it early. Oh, you're definitely like, if there was an yeah. all-star basketball team, you've got a jersey on that <laughs> team, for sure. For sure, for sure. And yeah, Twitch is massive, and I want to kind of touch on that too. How involved is your team on Twitch? Uh, yeah, so we are one of the largest uh, networks on Twitch uh, very early on, and I think that Twitch is amazing. We're really focused on creating content there. We're exclusive on that platform. I am concerned, though, like if you look at like Twitch from a, like a mobile perspective or if you look at Twitch like with the Twitch versus YouTube battle, like over the last like year or so, um, they're, they're just major players in the space. But from over like overall though, it's always good to have multiple options that, that exist in the market. It's it's really really cool though to see just how many people see it as a full time career versus when I first started. There was only maybe a dozen people. It's so awesome. It's like you created your own lane, except it was a highway that was like a thousand miles wide. <laughs> Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my character Gray Parish from my new series Parish. Yeah, I can drive. My character was a getaway driver. Yeah! I'm retired from life. You know that. His business is failing. His house is going up for sale. He is the everyman. Tell me about this driver job. We got a lot of action in this show. We have moments of real danger. And we want to feel as if anything could happen. Gray is invited to drive for this man. He's invited to make money, and he quickly realizes this is not the right thing to do. I did what you told me to. And he's in a world over his head. Now, let's go! He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish, all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. 
This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. So is there anything about the esports world that in the last year or two since it's become very popular that you kind of makes you cringe a little? Not in particular. (laughs) Which ones do you you think? uh... I I don't want to... I mean, it's going to be so obvious when I say this, but I feel like some some of the at least I saw this from a Twitch perspective. Some people, once they became like bigger, became very, very mainstream and didn't really connect with their community as much. I just feel like you need to stick to your community and the people that brought you to where you were. And I think a lot of people made a lot of money very fast. Yeah. And maybe that got to them. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I I think that uh, it. It's it's at the end of the day it's gonna be what what you want to focus on right, right. whether you want to go mainstream and, and stream less like streaming is a really tedious career the the reason why streaming is really stressful right is because I was a streamer for two to three years is that you're you're broadcasting eight to ten hours a day live where everyone can watch you and see you you have to like eat lunch and do all these things right but at the same time too though um you, like with YouTube with being a content creator uh it's really stressful because you're you're always focused on the numbers, right? Right. If you don't stream for a day or two days, your numbers start going down, and it makes you feel bad. So you're now you find yourself streaming six to seven days a week, and then and then burnout. Yeah, and then you it leads to burnout, and then it's 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 really a hard balance. And so uh, I I think that you know streamers that are large, they're trying to really figure out what they want to do, and they're they're experimenting, right? And you know some of them are making those decisions and they're losing a lot of their following for it. But like, I think that because it is early, people are going to take various different paths and then they're going to find what's optimal for them. And whether like, I think that a lot of people make mistakes in their career, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, they learn from it and they're going to, some of them are not going to ever be able to get to back to where they were, but that's a, that's a choice they made. So what advice would you give somebody who is listening to this interview right now and is inspired and wants to start a company? Maybe not, in the esports world, but in any world, what advice would you give them? Well, I th- I think it's a uh, like it's it's uh, it's gonna be very general, right? Because I think that th- these habits uh, often will lead to people becoming more successful. I think being relentless is super important. Like, you need to really know what you want and like truly ask yourself, like, am I doing this? Like, if, if you're only doing it for money, the money, it's really not worth it. You have to do it because you love it. Uh, because times are gonna get really tough, and you can't. You, can't give up right most things in life just don't come easy if, and if you want to be successful you have to go the extra mile where other people are not right you have to network you have to collaborate you have to find your advantage figure out what you're good at what you're weak at and really focus on what you're good at and then find other people to help you that that's probably the, the number one thing go to these events network with people find people to collaborate with and put the time in and then when you're, when it's not working be smart about it. Look at what you did and analyze what's going well, what's not going well. Because a lot of these people that 
are pursuing these careers, they do it and you know they let too much time pass without re- evaluating what's what's good what's bad right. and you have to really take that time out you have to pause you have to look at everything and say and, and evaluate whether whether you want to continue so you're at that crossroads you you have a bad day or a bad couple of years or months and you've spent all your savings what at what point do you turn left to quit turn right to keep going cuz you kept going i kept going because I, I budgeted accordingly, right? I lived at home. I didn't spend money on frivolous things like clothes or whatever, things I just didn't need. Like when I started my company and we started to make money, I didn't just upgrade my life instantly. I, I, I ate dollar frozen dinners for, I would say, two and a half years. Really unhealthy, by the way. Oh, but, man. How's your health? Are you good? <laughs> it's, it's good now. I eat a lot better now, trust me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's it's budgeting, right? You need to, like, you need to have your goals and then you need to plan around it with every aspect of your life. You need to make sure that just with running a business, it's do I have the runway to keep going, right? And so it's it's a financial decision. It's a life decision in terms of how you want to live. So for you, it was very financial, the decision um, to keep. So you didn't ever have a moment where you were like, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. It wasn't an internal thing. It was like, a, how do I set myself up so that, because quitting's not an option. Quitting was an op- not an option in the sense that I just knew that I didn't I, I didn't want to follow the general path. And I, I didn't want to go back to school. Just, just because I loved what I was doing so much that like not making a career w- was something that I absolutely couldn't see. So I was willing to give up a lot of different aspects to give me a larger runway to make it happen. Within life, right, you can't just have the best of both worlds. You have to pick what you want. I think people forget that. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's definitely a, a misconception on how easy things happen. And people probably don't know that you were really scrapping at your dollar you know, meals for two years because of where you are today. And that's why I think this show is so important because we need to pull the veil back on these, these ideas that everything, Oh, esports just popped up and here comes TSM. It, it, that's not how it happened. How does your mom feel about her $5,000 investment? Uh, did she get her return on investment? Absolutely. Uh, my, my mom is taken care of and you know, she, she couldn't be more proud, right? Uh, she watched it. Like when I used to play, she watched every single event. She's probably the most supportive person in my life. And so, uh, you know, like I, if I were to thank anyone, uh, it would it would have to be her in in terms of being so supportive. You're the best mom. <laughs> oh, and that's my mom. So I didn't mean you're the best mom in general. I just meant you're the best, comma mom. Anyway, TSM has some cool stuff going on. You guys are going to open a facility soon. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, I'm super excited. Uh, we're launching our facility sometime this summer, and I think at least it's going to be one of, one of the first facilities that are focused on actually esports performance and you know i think that no one really has it right yet and so what's so exciting is that we're we're focusing on it and we we want to stay true to that so we're thinking of it from like a 360 angle whether it's like nutrition or physical working out right Uh, or even mentally or even from a data perspective right we're tackling it from every single angle so we're tracking every single event when the player is playing from all the steps they do to all the moves they make every second by second where that really doesn't exist in traditional sports and then from a nutrition perspective we're developing a nutrition program that it, that that is going that, that we think is going to work for esports and then like i said we're going to measure it and fine tune it and i think that that's going to give us our competitive advantage by focusing on that early whereas like if you look at most gaming facilities now it's a, it's it's kind of like a pretty office with a yeah can you room. explain to people who are not familiar what is a gaming facility is it open to the public is it just for the team yeah, so uh, most people that would name like their office a gaming facility is basically an office where the gamers go and play, and there's a separation between where they live and where they play. I love yeah. that, by the way. That needs to happen. Absolutely. You need that mental break. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I just had to enter because I never like to work from bed because then it's like I associate working in bed. You yeah. know what I mean? Okay. I need to keep going. Over the last like decade of, of esports, gamers typically lived in the gaming house and they would play and compete in there also and practice. 24 7. Yeah, exactly. Now, I think over the last like next couple of years, you're going to see that separation from your pro career to like your personal life. And uh, most companies are focused on creating that separation. I love that. So, is the facility going to be here in LA? Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to it's gonna be in Play and Vista. It's uh, 25,000 square foot. Okay, awesome. And so, for people who aren't aware with the whole scheduling of all the, the, the competitions and tournaments, when is your next big tourney? It, it depends on the specific game, right? But for League of Legends specifically, we play on a week by week basis uh, on Olympic. And in Los Angeles mm -hmm. and that often leads to playoffs and then a, um, a stadium final somewhere in the US mm -hmm. right? and so we're, we're actually playing this weekend uh, on Twitch and YouTube mm -hmm. and so uh, it, it, it's, it's a constant uh, it's basically a league and so basically just to compare it's kind of like the NBA where you play a regular league and then you get to the playoffs and then you go to the championship which in your case is called Worlds yes okay and the Worlds are in a different city every year yeah it's in a city it's in a uh, different city every year and then who are you guys who's your biggest competition this year who's our biggest competition it, it honestly changes every single year just because all the teams yeah, all, like there's no, 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 so no, many yeah, new the teams, teams there's not not that there's new teams it's new just people that, um the game is so competitive and the league is so competitive you don't really see that one winner winning every year anymore hmm. okay so there's not like a i don't know who i was gonna say the lakers but they've been awful state. yeah so there's there's not a golden state to, to there the was traditionally um they're, they're called t1 skt mm -hmm. um but now it, it it changes every single year but you've always been in the top three we we've always been in the top team in our region but internationally we still haven't found success and we haven't won worlds yet so why do you think that is i think there's a combination of reasons being that players in other regions they have a they have a stronger cultural foundation of how to play as better as a team if you look at where esports originated right like if you look at korea they, they've had coaches they've had uh, esports really has been a career much longer in korea than uh, the u.s and then if you look at china right uh for league of legends like i would say they have a much larger player base and uh, you know there's 100 million people that play league of legends on a monthly basis right 80 million of those players are in china so they have much much larger talent pool oh. uh, to select from and they have players that like they have our program down to like the dot and so we need a lot of improvement to do but at the same time we need we need to learn how to train our talent better are you excited about your talent roster this year i, I am excited about them but i i think that some of the challenges that we're gonna have is making them play as a team we have really strong individual players but at the end of the day league of legends is a team game how often do the players switch out like because once they have synergy and harmony are you going to switch out a player or does that hurt the team ultimately it, it really depends right on uh, th there could be multiple reasons why you you change up a roster uh, typically for us we've made very big changes in the last I, I would say for the last seven years so to give you perspective out of the last 14 championships ever in league we won um six of them right so not bad we won almost half the the championships but every single year we always make large roster changes because we want to really perform at the world's level is that the standard is that expected from the team are they getting butt hurt when they're traded out or is that just an expectation um i, I think that's an expectation for our team is that if, if we're not a team that can contend at the world stage then there will be roster changes who makes the decisions on roster changes um, it's it's our general manager but most of the roster decisions up to this date were made by me mm -hmm. uh, and i've uh, i've maybe taken a lesser role over the last year and a half but i'm still involved so you don't think there's a benefit to keeping a team together versus switching people out uh i mean 
to, to be candid, I think that I'm, I've made some huge m- mistakes. Like, for example, we had a superstar uh, roster that went uh, 17 and 1 uh, during their regular season. We dominated. We won three seasons back to back in North America. But when we went to the international stage, we, 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 we actually got destroyed. Hmm. And so I made a quick decision to change that roster up. And like looking back with like hindsight information, it, it was it, it was a bad roster decision on my part. Hmm. After that, our, our team kind of fell apart for a year. We had to rebuild. We lost three championships back to back. It wasn't a great phase of TSM. We're currently rebuilding now. But, you know, when you make these big changes, there's a lot of risk involved. Of course. Of course. But it's 2020 now. Yeah. So you never know. You think you guys can get to the top this year? I, I think it's going to be challenging. I have a lot of faith in our roster. I think that we can regain our, our championship status. Awesome. Well, it was so nice to have you here today. I'm I'm really excited to see what else not only TSM does, because I know you guys are going to just c- continue to expand and do more and more outside of what's expected. Um, but just you in general. I mean, if, if we could fast forward 10 years, where do you think you'll be? I mean, you're still... <laughs> You're still so young. So where do you see yourself? It, it, it's really hard to tell just because we, our path and our focus changes all the time. But I think that we're going to have a really strong data platform that helps us train our talent. To be so better. you're saying we, you're still at TSM 10 years from now? I, I think so. Yeah, I'm still the majority owner of TSM. I, uh, I, I don't see myself really selling the business anytime soon. I'm super excited to be involved. And I, I truly, like I, I think the space is uh, starting to uh, slow down in the sense that it, it's, uh, it's matured. But I still think that there's still significant growth left, right? We like if you look at it, this is still the first generation of esports. Whereas if you look at basketball, fans had kids and their kids started to watch their team, and then their fans, they had kids, right? So there's like three generations where their audience quadrupled. Where if you look at esports, there's multiple things that can happen where the industry explodes. For example, when I used to play, it was a 95% male-dominated industry with 5% female. Now it's uh, eight, like 85-15 and trending towards 80-20, right? And so as that gets to 50-50, the audience is going to double. And then as our fans start to have kids, that's also going to double. So you can really see this growing. Absolutely. Do you think you'll ever pull a Michael Jordan and unretire? Uh, absolutely not. I think that, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that was not yeah. even a like, well, maybe, guys, I'll think about it to give your fans a little hope. You're like, absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, I'm past my prime. <laughs> You're going to see me get my butt kicked. <laughs> yeah. You really think so? Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so. But I, I think I can still hold my own against some of the players, the bottom of the league players. But you're done. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was so nice having you here today. I, I love that you got to stop in. I know you're really, really busy. You have a lot of things going on. You have a team to manage. And yeah, yep, <laughs> you're going to be the number one people manager. Maybe not number one, but but, but Why better. not? Why not shoot for the stars? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I'm going to shoot for the stars, number one. <laughs> Andy didn't, everyone, from TSM, and I'm sure he's going to do many, many more things in the future. So we're going to keep an eye on him. We're going to stock TSM. We're going to root them on all season long. Hope you guys had fun. Toodaloo. Behind the Influence is a production of iHeartRadio and TDC Media. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. 
Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 